So good. I'm so glad that I got to share on Promotion Sunday. For those of you who might not know, Steve and I, um, before we planted Koinonia, I was uh, overseeing kids ministry at our home church in Brantford, and I also was a preschool teacher. So kids were a big part of our heart and our life and really what God spoke to us when we planted Koinonia. So it's wonderful to be a part of seeing that vision carry on. And I just want to encourage you as parents, grandparents, aunties and uncles, whoever has the opportunity to touch kids and speak into kids' lives and pray over them, don't neglect to do that. Don't neglect to do that. It's a powerful thing when we recognize they're spiritual beings and they're alive unto God and life happens like it happens to all of us. But we have the opportunity to speak over them and into them and speak words of life and see them come to Christ at an early age. And I just also want to say thanks to Nathan for his message last week. You know, it was a a great message, a great reminder for all of us that without, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing of any eternal significance or value. We can't accomplish things in our own strength that will impact people's lives unless we're abiding, unless we're listening to the Father and being a part of that relationship with Him. So it's always good to be reminded of that, and I was reminded of that as I was preparing for today. Because at first, you know, I put up my hand and say, yeah, yeah, I want to speak. And then the closer it gets, I kind of, you know, backstep just a little. But I'm here, and uh, round one was done, so here we are for round two. But when I thought about speaking, you know, Peter said, he said, as long as I'm in this tent, I'm going to remind you of some things. And so that's what I feel like I'm doing today. Not like I'm near the end of my life, like Peter was, but we're near the end of our season of leading Koinonia. And so I want to remind you of things that I think are, are close to my heart, but they're close to God's heart. So I want to remind you of our vision statement, our mission statement, and it goes like this. Building, you can say it with me, building relationships with God, one another, and the world. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And if, if you're going to build anything, but especially if you're going to build relationships, if you're going to create new relationships, if you're going to strengthen and grow existing ones, all of that requires effort and intentionality. Would you agree? Yeah, you can't build anything without some hard work. So we're going to look at three different areas about building our relationship with God. What does that look like? How do we do that? How do we build stronger relationships with one another here in the body? And how do we step into relationships with people who don't know Jesus as their personal Savior yet? What can we do to build those relationships? So we're going to start with building our relationship with God, because that is the first thing, and that's what will help us in all of our other relationships. You know, when I grew up, my family, we always attended church. And when I realized a few years ago that my parents were actually a part of a church plant back in the late 1950s, I thought, wow, 
they were groundbreakers back then because that wasn't something that was as common, but they were a part of a church plant. They first, we first met in a school, and then eventually we had a building, but yeah, we met in a school. So as I grew up, my understanding of God grew, especially in my teen years, and I came to realize that God wanted a personal relationship with me and that I got to choose. I got to choose to enter into a personal relationship with him through Jesus. And I did that when I came home from a youth retreat when I was 16 years of age. I'd heard some things at that retreat that I'd never heard before put in just that way, and God used it to draw me to himself. And so at 16, I received Christ as my Savior. And I've spent the last 47 years learning, growing in my relationship with God, discovering so many things about who God is, his character, his nature, how much he values me as an individual, as his daughter. And all all of this, it's been an amazing journey. I've learned about Jesus, and I've, I've understood, in part, <laughs> what he did for me and that he laid down his life for me. He gave up heaven and he came to earth for me, for you. That's amazing, that love. So that I could experience, so that you could experience eternal life. That we would never have to be separated from God. So my desire really is to become more like Jesus, just like the song we sang this morning. But I know that I need the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, day in and day out, for that to happen. Only the Holy Spirit can bring freedom and wholeness to any of us. And so I'm thankful that I get to have a walk with God and that the Holy Spirit is walking with me and lives in me, and he wants to talk to me every day. He wants to talk to you every day. He wants you to go on an adventure with him. I want to share a quote from a book I've been reading, and it goes like this. Growing in love for God and others is a lifelong process that can't be achieved by self-effort. We've got to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so for us to build relationships, we need to partner with the Holy Spirit. So my first question for us this morning is, what does it take to build a relationship with God? And I think for some of us, it takes a perspective shift. Because some of us have had thoughts and images of God and things spoken to us about God's character and nature that really are not accurate. Some of us have this picture that God's up there in heaven with a big baseball bat just waiting if we step out of line, you know, to hit us over the head. But that's not the heart of God, and that is not how he wants us to see him. But we are not going to step into a relationship with God, want it to grow deeper and stronger if we think he's up there And he is a mean and hard God. We're going to, instead of stepping towards him, we're going to step back from a relationship with God. God wants us to step into a relationship with him.
So we have to have a perspective shift. God is a loving God who sent his one and only son to die for us. He wanted a relationship with us. He went to great lengths. As soon as Adam and Eve in the garden decided they could not trust God's words and they chose to do something that he said, don't do this. You can do all of this, but don't do that. They didn't trust him enough and they did the one thing he told them not to. As soon as that happened, God set in motion the rescue plan. He wanted to redeem us and save us. And so that's a a very loving thing that he did. So once we have a, a perspective shift, if we need one, about God, then there's one thing that we need to build a relationship with God. And to find out that one thing, we're going to look in Luke chapter 10, verses 39 to 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to come and help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing, say one thing, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So this passage tells us a little bit about Mary and Martha, who were friends with Jesus, Martha and Mary had invited him to their house many times. They prepared many meals for him. And we know that Martha sat and listened to Jesus and his words as well. But this day, she got busy with other things, like hospitality. Have you ever been busy with other things, like hospitality? Maybe you've been busy like me, with much serving, whether it's serving your family, maybe finishing a work project, maybe getting that laundry done, the yard work done, whatever it is. Maybe it's making meals for people who are ill and can't do that for themselves. There's lots of great things, necessary things, good things that we can do But if we let those things take us away from the one thing, time with Jesus, then those other things aren't going to work out. They don't have the same impact. So Mary was taking time to be in his presence, to listen for his voice and receive his words. And that's how we build a relationship with our Lord as well taking time. And I had to remind myself, no, it's not just taking the time, but it's making the time in our schedules. Because sometimes our schedules can get so full that we don't put time in for the most important things. So if you have to mark time with Jesus in your planner, or if you have to put in not available, whatever, and you know what that means, and that helps you make a priority to sit and listen for his words, and have a conversation with your God, then that's what you need to do. Because if I don't do that, 
then I can become like Martha. I don't know if any of the rest of you can get worried and troubled over things, but I can. Fear, anxiety, worry could control my life if I don't take time for the one thing, which is time with our God, time with Jesus. But in, it's not just time, but it's coming with the right heart posture as well. So I've got three thoughts that I wanted to share with you this morning about three different heart postures that I think are helpful when we consider building a relationship with God. And the first one is found in Psalm 46, verse 10, where it says, Be still and know that I am God. Being still. If you're anything like me, I can be planning and working and organizing internally as well as externally. And I can do that and not quiet my heart and my mind. And so the word of God says, be still. So let's be still. Number two is found in 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Being humble. For me, that means acknowledging that I cannot do life on my own. I cannot do life without him. I'm in need of God at work in my life every day and the grace that he alone can provide for every situation that I find myself in. I need his grace to walk in my reality. And the third heart posture is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Be hungry. First, be still. Be humble. Acknowledge that we need him. But then be hungry. Be hungry for his words. That's the key to knowing God and building a relationship with him. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And God's word is meant to reveal truth to us, bring life to us so that we can be free from bondages, things that have held us back, things that have wounded us, things that have hurt us. God wants us to be free from those things. And he wants to show us how to live in such a way that we bring honor and glory to God. So when I'm hungry for God's word, I'm not just going to read it, but I will allow it to read me. Jesus wants, he's the living word, and he wants us to allow him to read us. I take time to digest the word, to think about the word, to meditate on the word, perhaps even memorize the word. So it will speak to me throughout the course of my day and direct my actions. I love how Pastor Wayne Cadero says that God has given us mentors in the Bible to assist us in everyday life, and we can learn from their lives. God's love for us is expressed in the pages of the Bible. We see how he responded to people just like us going through life circumstances. When we read, I don't want to read just to check off a box or to get information but I want to allow the word of God to get inside of me and to shape me. Sometimes we need information, 
But more often than not, we need transformation. So I just encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you every time you open God's Word, every time you open a devotional. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask him to bring the word to life in a way that grips you, that speaks to you right where you're at. We want to look to encounter the living God and let his words transform our hearts. Always, we want to make personal application. You know, we sometimes joke about, oh, we, when somebody shares something, we, we think about somebody who should have been able to hear that. No, we always want to say, God, what are you saying to me through this, through this passage? Relationships are so important, but God wants to work first in my heart lovingly so that he can work powerfully through me. And that will only happen if I don't neglect the one thing, and that's time with Jesus. So this morning, let's ask ourselves, how am I doing with that one thing? How am I doing with time with Jesus? I want to read another quote to you. It's from a devotional that I've been reading by Sarah Young called Jesus Calling. And this quote goes like this, by waiting, bef- by waiting with me before you begin the day's activities, You proclaim the reality of my living presence. This act of faith, waiting before working, is noted in the spirit world, where your demonstration of trust weakens principalities and powers of darkness. The most effective way to resist the devil is to draw near to God. And I love that piece, wait before work. Because I can, I can do the opposite. I can get working before I wait. So I encourage you, let's go on a journey of learning to wait before we work. The reality of my walk with God, then, is demonstrated through my relationships with others. And that's why my relationship with God must be a priority. Because he wants to help me in building relationships with others. So we're going to look at building relationships with one another. The koinonia principle that we coined way back when we did um, Catch the Vision many years ago, which is heart of the house now, talking about our core values. The koinonia principle goes like this. Our vertical relationship with God is incomplete without our horizontal relationships with one another. So my relationship with God is not meant just for me to enjoy. And it's not just for me to grow in knowledge and understanding, but he actually wants to work through that relationship in my life so that that life flow spills out onto other people, on other relationships. There are lots we could talk about when we think about building relationships with one another. We could talk about good communication skills, how to listen well, how to deal with conflicts, how to understand personalities and love languages. All those things would help us in building relationships. But they, I feel like they all fall under one category, which is loving 
one another. It's the one thing. So the scripture, Jesus was asked, what is the first commandment? In other words, Jesus, what is the most important one thing that you want us to do? And Pastor Brian read this scripture earlier, Mark 12, 30 and 31. Jesus responded and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus linked loving God with loving people. They're inseparable. So Jesus is speaking again in John 13, 34, 35 and says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, your love, how you treat one another, all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this one thing, say one thing, love for each other, people are going to know that we're followers of Christ. That something has made a difference in our lives. And it could be one of the greatest evangelistic tools we have if we will truly love one another. As followers of Jesus, we're to be distinguished and recognized, be able to be picked out of a crowd by this one thing, our love for one another. So this morning, let's ask ourselves, how are we doing with that one thing, loving one another? How do we build relationships here at Koinonia with one another? We build real relationships on the foundation of loving one another. Sounds simple, but as someone recently said to us, it's hard work because it's heart work. God always, 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 always has to work in my heart first so I can respond in a loving way to people. And I'm sure it's no different for you. 1 John 3.11 says, this is the message. Notice I capitalized the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Verse 14 from the same chapter says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know that Jesus has made a difference in our lives, that we've been rescued out of darkness and brought into light, into his kingdom. We know that when we know that his love is able to work through us and love others. 1 John 4.21 says, This commandment we have from him, he who loves God must love his brother also. These are strong statements from God's word that we're meant to embrace. Our thinking needs to be integrated with our behavior. Mental assent to God's word is never enough. We can say, oh, I know that. I know that I'm supposed to love my brother. I know that. But the knowing has to drop to here and then be walked out day by day. We cannot say we love God and continue to hate our brothers and sisters in some of the ways that we do. I can't say I love God and continue to treat people in an unkind way. 
Sometimes things happen to us, and it's really, really hard to respond in a loving way. That's when we need to know that we can cry out to our God at any point in our day and ask him for his help, his grace that's sufficient to allow him to work in our lives so that we can walk in a way that would be honoring and glorifying to him. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to show us something that we've done, perhaps that we've said, maybe just even an inner attitude that we've held on to. And when the Holy Spirit shows us something, we want to act on it. We need to respond to the word of God and to his leading. Perhaps, like me, you've maybe had to repent at times, perhaps apologize, but always, always we have to take responsibility for our behavior and our actions. What does loving one another look like? Well, I'm going to quote Dean Sherman here for the next few minutes because Dean, who spoke at our church over 20 years ago, then he came and did a relationship seminar for us. He had some amazing things to say about loving one another. And he said, love defined is the cross. 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The purest definition of love is when Jesus chose to do the will of the Father. Remember in the garden, he was struggling. He said, God, if there's any other way we can accomplish this, let's, let's do that. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is love. He laid down his life. This morning we sang a song that said, The cross has taught me how to live. We need to continue to allow the cross to teach us how to live. To truly one, love one another, Dean said, we have to do the cross. And this, this is hard work because relationships are hard work. Even great relationships hit bumps in the road. Would you agree? Yeah, they all hit bumps, and things have to be worked through. But what does it mean to do the cross? He suggested three different points. The first one is die to selfishness. When Jesus loved us, he died. And this is, I have this quote written down from this relationship seminar. Dean said, so what makes us think we can love and not die to selfishness? We need to die to our own will, our way, and our agenda. We need to consider the needs of others. Be quick to forgive, release people, let go of offenses, and think the best about people. We need to die to selfishness in the way that we would support other people and encourage other people, because all that takes time and effort. Number two, choose to serve. That's one, the second way we do the cross. Jesus said he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Pastor Wayne Cadero coined this phrase, we are most like Jesus when we serve. So I want you to think for a moment 
of all the different ways that Jesus served people when he walked this earth. Just reflect for a moment all the ways Jesus served. That's what we get to do. We get to serve people as well. Christine Kane shared this. We are a product of eternity. We're positioned in time, and we're given gifts and talents to serve our generation. We can't go back in time and serve another generation. We, don't, we can't go forward. We're called to serve our generation here and now. So how can you look? How can you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, give you opportunities to serve? Press into him. Look for ways that he wants you to make a difference in this church, in your family perhaps, in your workplace, in your community, but especially here. Where does he want you to make a difference? Don't wish you had somebody else's gifts. Don't wish you could do what somebody else can do. Embrace who you are with your unique skill set, your personality and your perspective, and determine to bring the best you to this house. Number three, Dean said, walk in humility. Romans 12.3 says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think soberly. So for me, thinking soberly is believing what God says about myself and about others. Walking in humility means that I'm not going to think that my race, my gender, my generation, or my social status makes me better than someone else. So don't you think that either. Honor people according to the value that God gives them. Watch the words that we speak to people and about people. So what does it mean to do the cross? Die to selfishness, choose to serve, and walk in humility. The last point that we want to look at this morning is building relationships with the world. I believe that Koinonia will only remain a thriving local church if we continue to first build our relationship with God, then commit to building authentic, loving relationships with one another, and look for opportunities to step into relationships with those who do not know Jesus yet. As we nurture the community of faith and look to expand the community of faith by demonstrating the heart of the Father, the love of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe many will be impacted. So let's commit to reaching out to those around us in our world and our sphere of influence. But let the Holy Spirit lead you as you go about your day. Loving our world is not complicated. And there are so many practical ways that we can be involved in people's lives. And as I was going over this message again, I thought, well, actually, everything I'm going to say here, you could say in, this is how you build relationships with one another, too. So I want you to listen. These are really simple things. I'm simple. Be friendly. Initiate conversations. Slow down and give time to people. Listen for needs that you can meet. Listen for ways that you can pray for people. 
Ask God to help you see what he sees. Build margin into your life so that you can actually follow up. When God shows you something to do or somebody to speak to, make sure you've got margin in your life. Don't plan things so tight in your, in your daily schedule that you have no time to listen and do and obey what God's showing you. God cares about our world, and he sent Jesus to die for the world. He doesn't want any one of us to live separated from him, apart from him, now, but especially in eternity. So out of our deep love for God and our love for people, let's go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, kids and mature and if necessary, use words. I'm so glad that God took a bell telephone repairman and a preschool teacher and gave us a dream and a vision and the capacity to create Koinonia. I didn't cry first service, so we'll see if we can make it through my last little points here. I believe that Koinonia was created as a place where people could come to know and experience the love of the Father, experience his heart and healing in all realms, that you would get to meet some other beautiful people along the way who would come together in relationship with you and support you in your life's journey, and you could do that for others. And then you could reach out into your world where you work, where you live, where you go to school, and you could share his love with others. So let's believe for amazing things as we continue to do this one thing, which is build relationships with God, with one another, and those we meet every day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, first and foremost, that you desire to send Jesus so that you could restore us to relationship with you. You want to walk with us. You want to talk with us, just like you did Adam and Eve in the garden. And so thank you for that, Father. Thank you that as you bring healing and wholeness into our lives, no matter what we've experienced in life, no matter the pain and the hurt and the suffering we might have been through, you want to bring us to a place of wholeness. Thank you, Lord. And you often use other people to do that. So I thank you that we will look to come alongside others in this house and in our world. We'll look to be the support and encouragement that others need. We'll look to give ourselves. We'll look to lay our lives down so that others might live. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for leading and guiding us day by day and helping us to understand your heart better and to reflect that in our lives with those that we do life with and those that we're gonna meet 
every single day. Father, we ask that your kingdom would come here and your will would be done in this place so that we might go out and impact the world around us. In Jesus' name.